You've just found your survival guide for the new reality of business. From technical advances to motivation and leadership, workplace changes are happening all around us. How can CEOs, leaders, and managers accelerate talent development, reshape culture, and succeed with purpose? By seeing what's coming and making the personal and organizational choices to do better. Welcome to the Future Proof Workplace with Linda Sharkey and Morag Barrett. It was an interesting week this uh, last week and still going on. Uh, what a what a sad circumstance that's uh, going on in Houston with the floods and and uh, speaks a lot about preparation and what you need to think about and how times are really changing. And they really are, and they're changing a lot faster than any of us ever anticipated, which is why Morag Barrett, my co-author, and I wrote our book, Future Proof Workplace. Morag, fortunately, uh, or unfortunately, because we always have so much fun on this show together, is not here. She's in uh, some exotic place doing a workshop on Future Proof work, work. Place uh, with one of our key clients. But in her stead is Eric Spencer, a colleague of uh, both of us. Hi, Eric. So glad you could join us today. Hey, Linda. How are you today? I'm I'm great, except I'm sitting here looking at uh, rain and uh, hoping uh, and, and calling up about my flood insurance, to be honest with you. <laughs> that's uh, that's probably a good thing to keep. It's probably a good thing to keep up to date. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, the other big thing, uh, the end of last week, and I think our guest is probably going to have some good insight around um, some of this, but uh, Amazon is really bucking a trend. It bought Whole Foods, as you yeah. well know. Isn't that amazing, Eric? It's amazing. I was reading just this morning, they uh, spent their first day in ownership cutting prices as much as 43%. On certain wow. items. Wow. You know, and I was meaning to go by there today, but I'm, I'm just running out of time. But, you know, what's so funny is that they're going into bricks and mortar retail. And we know from companies like Sears and major shopping centers uh, that they're all kind of struggling in, in the retail space. It's kind of interesting that they took that direction. I agree. It's, 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 it's sort of a retro future move. It is. It is. It's going to be. It's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out for them. But I know uh, Jeff Bezos is a pretty competent guy, so I'm expecting great things. So we have a great guest today, Eric. And we do. Why don't you introduce Jesse for us? So, so Jesse Jacoby. Jesse Jacoby is a sought-after management consultant specializing in business transformation and strategic change management. Jesse founded an organization called Emergent, and they work with Fortune 500 and mid-market companies to deliver successful people and change strategies across a wide variety of initiatives, everything from technology deployments to cost cutting to customer restructuring, process improvements. Jesse's also built some really robust online tools um, like the Change Accelerator. We'll get him to talk a little bit about that. He's worked with organizations uh, like The Gap, Mattel, Lowe's, JetBlue, a lot of big high-profile organizations. Prior to founding Emergent in 2010, Jesse spent two decades in the management and consulting roles. He worked for organizations like Booz, Allen Hamilton, Bright Management, and uh, Accenture. He's got experience across a wide variety of industries, uh, retail, financial services, healthcare, transportation, and energy. 
So today we're going to talk with Jesse about the common pitfalls of change, of change efforts and the critical role of leaders in the change process, how change practices can become more agile and responsive. So My welcome, favorite Jesse. topic. How are you today? <laughs> Hi, Eric. Hi, Linda. It's very nice to be with you. Thank yeah, you for that welcome. nice introduction. Welcome, welcome. So I, I'm just going to jump in with a, a quick question here. You know, transformation used to be, you probably know, Jesse, I used to work for Hewlett Packard there for a while. I was the chief talent officer there. And, you know, a lot of companies were using the word transformation and making it sound like it was going to be this great, wonderful future. And really all it was, was uh, cost cutting and uh, operational efficiency. And and uh, how do you get through that with people? How, you know, because people saw through that pretty quickly. Well, that's a great question. And business transformation or transformation is a fuzzy term. We can agree on that. It's used different ways and in different contexts. And for the purpose of what we do as a business, we define business transformation as having sort of five characteristics. You know, one is it's significant change, as the name implies. Um, it's a lot of change happening at once. Roles, processes, organizational structure, reporting relationships, new technologies. The second thing is it's usually across multiple divisions or business units, and therefore multiple leaders are driving and influencing the outcomes. Third, it's it's got a large number of stakeholders involved, as you might guess. Fourth, uh, there are projects that are in, interdependent and many different work streams. And the fifth sort of uh, characteristic is it's long in its duration, many months, sometimes multiple years, and therefore the need to deal with shifting goalposts uh, due to the changing business environment is an important factor to consider. Yeah, that's interesting. That's really interesting. It's the multiple years that's really a big question today, huh? Indeed. Uh, things change quickly in the business environment. And, you know, what you planned for on paper today might look very different six or 12 months from now. Eric, I know you've got a burning question for Jesse. <laughs> I do. So, Jesse, what are you seeing out there in the marketplace as being some of the primary drivers for big change in organizations today? Lately, we've seen a few drivers based on our consulting work with primarily larger companies, some of whom you've mentioned in the intro. Uh, one of the things, and you touched on it, is overhauling the business model, a la Amazon acquiring Whole Foods, right? These are things you didn't necessarily see coming or you might not have predicted a few years ago, and they are really mixing up uh, the, the organization because of the shift in the business model. Another thing we're seeing a lot of is launching of shared service organizations. You know, that is a buzzword you may or may not be familiar with, but shared services is sort of taking all of the similar activities and putting them into, you know, a, a business unit or division that specializes in those things. And a lot of times, along with shared services, there is outsourcing involved. So outsourcing mm -hmm. non strategic activities, you know, accounting, HR, payroll activities. Um, and on the technology front, you know, there, there's always change um, driven out of the technology realm. And now it's the introduction of cloud-based technology platforms, automation and artificial intelligence. And of course, cost reduction is still... Um, a large part of what drives large-scale change in organizations today. So, Jesse, you said something interesting about uh, outsourcing some of those internal functions. 
What are you seeing uh, as the impacts on an organization's culture when they do that, when they move HR or, or some of those internal uh, common service functions out, outsource? Yeah, that's a great question. And, um, you know, certainly when we look at you know, what changes are having the most impacts on the workplace and you look at the workplace of the future, um, the reliance on third parties, um, shared services that are outside of the organization or outsourcing partners, um, this introduces the need for new collaboration models in the organization. Uh, employees need to collaborate with third parties. These partnerships, these collaborations with these third parties, you know, these become appendages to the body and they, you know, need to be part of the, the whole system to make the organ operate. And they're not, you know, um, adversaries. They need to be thought about and engaged with as um, part of your extended organization. And so that is really driving a lot of uh, what we're seeing in terms of the change initiatives inside of organizations. So I want to go back to another thought here, Jesse. You know, as I talk to people who do strategy um, around the world, as 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 you do, obviously, if you're going to do business transformation, you know, that's a, there's a whole big, huge strategy piece in there. And you mentioned it earlier about being agile, and we're finding that the typical approaches to strategy just do not work anymore. Companies cannot go through uh, a year of defining you know, its purpose and goals and, you know, strategic intent and, you know, economic environment and all of these other kinds of things, that they really have to learn to be a lot quicker and they have to be learn how to be more flexible and they have to learn, you know, obviously those are key components of, of, of agility and they're underpinnings of a culture. How do you help a company get over this sort of need for, uh, which we taught people in the 20th century, by the way, but that this need for a pretty uh, robust strategic planning, strategic initiative process. So the, you know, the strategy initiatives that go on inside of most large organizations and even mid-size organizations, um, and to a greater a large extent, small ones as well, they go hand in hand with change. Yeah. And so um, when you think about, you know, how these are um, devised and executed, um, they need to have baked into them an element of, of change management planning and strategy. And you may have heard the term VUCA. V-U-C-A, which stands for volatility, uncertainty, yep. complexity, and ambiguity. It very much describes the landscape in which many of the companies operate today. And in this new reality where change is constant, it takes the form of a steady stream of continuous overlapping projects or initiatives. Think of waves crashing into the beach, right? This is never ending. This is the new normal. And the discipline of portfolio or program management becomes increasingly important in elevating that to a strategic role in the organization, an enterprise program office, a strategy office. Um, these are important entities to be able to manage at the right level these continuous waves of initiatives and change. And, and the really smart organizations are building along with these enterprise program offices and these strategy capabilities, they're embedding internal change management capability. And um, the enterprise change capabilities typically, typically exist in 
sort of the, the enterprise level um, or sometimes within the HR organization. I think it works best when it's outside of HR, um, but that's just my opinion having worked with um, these these organizations and seeing where they, they function best. And it's typically inside of an enterprise PMO or an enterprise strategy office. Yeah, you know, I think you're really right. I, I, I remember uh, when I was at GE and we did a lot of... Uh, you know, then it was process improvement and, you know, all the similar kinds of words. And, and we realized that you absolutely had to include a whole human factor element into whatever we were trying to do and a whole change process embedded into the whole redesign work that we were doing. And and once we did that, it, it became a heck of a lot easier. It sounds like you're experiencing the same thing. That's right. The, um, the These large strategic initiatives work best when you uh, plan for and integrate um, the human element, like you suggest. And at the end of the day, the work gets done through employees. It's people. You know, the technology is great. The processes are incredibly important. But at the end of the day, we need people to think, do uh, differently. And if you do not account for that at the DNA level of your strategic initiatives, you're really getting off on the wrong foot, in my opinion. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> so, Jesse, when you talk about change and strategy, how do you balance the sort of perpetual, continuous change that we seem to be living under today? You know, you you plan for a big major initiative, and then you find out that your, your technology is company technology companies buying a grocery store we have a big difference thing now happening so how do you how do you prepare for that how do you deal with that well at a fundamental level you know there are probably a bunch of things you could do to address that um, some are outside of my realm of expertise but one of the things we've done with with clients to help them be prepared for these sort of out of left field you know strategic uh, initiatives that you, you need to go and, and execute. We um, help them build internal change capabilities. And so, for example, we have a blueprint that focuses on putting in place a few key building blocks inside the organization to help manage change. We have a structure and governance piece. We have a methodology and tools piece and a resources and competency piece. And that last one is really important to your question is how do we be prepared to deal with some of these outrageous changes that come out of left field. It's having across all levels of the organization some level of change competency. So if you think of the individual, the ability to navigate change as an individual, mm -hmm. how do you process it? How do you deal with it? How do you turn it into positive momentum for you individually? Then how do you do that at the team level? How do you do that at the organizational level? How do you do that for these strategic initiatives or projects that are in play at any given time? It's at all of those levels, having the change competency, the change capability is part of an answer to your question. How do you find companies are responding to that? Because um, it, it requires a fair amount of resource allocation, Jesse. And, and, and what are the areas of resistance that you run into? That's a that's a very good point. Um, you know, the organizations that do it well, obviously, resource it appropriately. Now, in this day and age where resources are you know, scarce or good resources are scarce um, and everybody's after the, the best talent 
for their projects, um, it can be tough. And I have seen companies um, do it not so well, right? They don't resource it to the extent it needs to be, or they, you know, um, assign a partial resource to a strategic program when in reality they needed a, at least a full-time change lead or a few different change resources on that one project. Um, so the organizations that get it, that are savvy about this, they, they design it from the ground up to be resourced appropriately. And then they put the dollars behind it and the resources behind it. And they run it like a, um, you know, a legitimate program. Are, are those capabilities and competencies something that you can outsource? I mean, and this is, this is what you guys do, right? You guys come in and help this, but could you or companies like you be the full full-time manager of these sort of ongoing change efforts? As much as I would selfishly love that, um, it's in the best interest <laughs> of the companies or the organizations to uh, develop that capability, those competencies in-house and have those live within their people. Mm. Now, having said that, you know what we do is we work with organizations to design their change capability, or if they have one and it needs to be further developed, we can help mm -hmm. them with that. And part of the way that we instill the competencies internally, or one of the ways we accelerate that, I should say, is that we do work very closely as outside consultants on a few key strategic initiatives with their internal change resources. And it's through that shadowing, through that osmosis experience of working together on a real project, a critical project, that's a great way for us to teach them and for us to learn about their organization and tailor the competencies to their unique culture. Yeah, I, that is a fabulous model, uh, Jesse. I, I love that model. I mean, that's really, you know, an OD organization development consultants uh, approach, you know, leave leave the client capable through through the learning experience of actually doing the project. So we're going to take a quick break. We're talking uh, today with uh, Jesse Jake Jacoby, um, CEO of Emergent, and we're going to be talking about the how-tos of change. And there isn't anybody listening to this show, whether they're in a small little mom-and-pop shop or a big behemoth company or a private nonprofit that are not dealing with some sort of pretty massive change. Stay with us and we'll be back. Ever wondered if your career will last? Will your job be around in 10 years, five years, or even tomorrow? The Future Proof Workplace with Linda Sharkey and Morag Barrett gives you practical tips and tools that are not only fact-based and proven to make you a better leader, but will also ensure that both your organization and career are future-proof. Linda Sharkey and Morag Barrett are sought-out keynote speakers, leadership development and organization experts, and they can help you future-proof your career. To learn more about everything they have to offer you and your organization, visit futureproofworkplace.com. We're talking to Jesse Jacoby, uh, Jacoby. Sorry, Jesse, I'm so bad with that. Uh, and we're talking about change, and really, that was one of the major reasons why Morag and I wrote our book, Future Proof Workplace. And we deal a lot with this topic about, you know, the six factors that you need to put in place in order to future-proof your company today. And 
part of that is the whole notion of relationship building. And you talked about uh, OEMs and you talked about suppliers and, you know, having that capability to have a uh, relationships not only within your boundaries, but across boundaries. Can you say more about that, Jesse? Manage, managing change at the end of the day is um, a human activity. It's about engaging with people. It's about um, connecting with them, inspiring them. Um, change done well is all about mindset and behavior. And, le- and let me give you an example to illustrate this. Uh, too often, we find executives ask everyone else to change. But in reality, yeah. This usually isn't possible until they first change themselves. And it's important for leaders to understand how a mindset and its associated behaviors can either enable or hinder business transformation. Executives, they need to model new behaviors in order to influence mindset and behavior change in their people. So it would behoove the executives to assess their own personal change agility before embarking on a major transformation effort. And more to the point, the most successful business transformations have executive sponsors who are active and highly visible. Uh, so getting back to the, you know, the human component here and the ability to you know, connect and build ally relationships, the executive's role is to build alignment among other leaders around the change effort and provide unwavering support through the transformation. And one of the best things a sponsor can do is to invite change management expertise to the program early in the planning process so that change management strategy can be baked into a program's DNA. And in this way, change becomes part and parcel of the program and it's not treated as a bolt-on or afterthought when you're too far down the road and it's really hard to course correct. You know, it's such a great point, Jesse. I, I'm doing a uh, culture project for uh, a company, actually a Silicon Valley company, that wants to get its culture right so it doesn't end up being another GoDaddy or Uber. Um, but here was the fascinating part. I've just gotten the results back from uh, the part that the executives are having a great time. They're loving the place. And everybody else is in the dumper. Mm. Um, and it's really fascinating information, you know. So uh, the, the, the executives are sim- singing Kumbaya every week and everybody is <laughs> else is singing Kumbaya what? Huh? How is this working? So <laughs> I'm sure you've experienced some of that. And obviously you've experienced some of that. Indeed, indeed we have, and it's typically a telltale sign that there is uh, there are major problems within the culture. Yeah. Um, perhaps not, you know, there there could be other reasons for that, but um, that would certainly uh, be a red flag that would be well worth looking into. And I have seen it, and um, it's typically um, a symptom of the work I'm doing, or uh, it's off to the side. It's not in the core of the work we're doing, so we don't always have the opportunity to go run it to ground. And, and solve for it, but uh, I do see it and it does bother me when I do. You know, Jesse, you mentioned the sponsors and their visibility being a, a core component to, to getting an organization to buy off on change. What other things uh, do leaders need to pay attention to, to key into when they think about managing or even more effectively leading through change efforts? We typically, as part of our change strategy that we tailor to each client's program, we have as one of the strategy elements 
uh, executive sponsorship advisement or coaching because it is so important. The executive sponsor is often cited as the single most or the single most important reason that change initiatives fa- uh, succeed or fail. And right. you know, when we sit with them to advise and coach them, we are asking them to do a few things. We are asking them to model new behaviors, as I alluded to. Um, all eyes are on senior leaders whenever there are major changes afoot in an organization, more so than when things are stable and it's just business as usual. When there are major changes, especially when there's uncertainty, uh, people will be looking to their leaders uh, to to look for signals uh, or telltale signs, right, of, of something being different or the leader behaving differently. And because of that extra attention, it's the perfect opportunity for leaders to model, you know, new ways of thinking, new ways of speaking, new uh, behaviors, uh, adopting new processes or new technologies, and their people will follow if they do that. The other thing that leaders uh, can do is reward new behaviors um, in high-profile ways. You know, we know that positive reinforcement is a very good motivator, and it, it's true for children. It's true in the workplace. Uh, people right. like to be acknowledged when they are doing things right and doing things well. And when you're introducing new ways of working, new processes, new technologies, uh, there's no better role. Uh, for the leader than to praise those individuals, those teams who are the early adopters. And um, those are two important things that leaders can do. There are others. And um, I guess I'll mention one more. The uh, ability to communicate and have open door policy and invite feedback. Um, That sounds simple. It's not something that comes naturally to all leaders. Um, But what um, you can do in terms of communication is oxygenate the organization by asking for feedback, for over-communicating, saying the same thing 10 times because we know that it takes a while (laughs) for messages to sink in about the future state and the vision of where we're headed. So those are uh, three things that I'll leave you with that leaders should and and can be doing today. Is it possible to over-communicate from that position during a major change initiative? That is a great problem to have. I rarely <laughs> see it. Uh, right. 95 plus percent of the time, it's the complete opposite problem. In fact, you may have heard the term, the curse of knowledge. I see this a lot where uh, an inner group, a project team, a program team, a core group of executives who have been thinking and designing and conspiring for months about the new strategy. And, you know, they're an echo chamber and they assume because they've been thinking and talking about this topic for so long that other people are equally as tuned in. And so they end up under communicating. They talk about it once, maybe twice, and then they wonder why people are confused and why they have so many questions because, hey, didn't we communicate? I remember when we communicated. It was that email on that date three weeks ago, right? Why doesn't everybody understand and buy in? You know, Jack you, Welsh, you, I, I hate to say this because he's an old-time uh, uh, CEO. I, he still has some prominence out there in, in, in the work world. But that was one thing that he was an absolute master at. He communicated every single year 
every and he taught he was a massive introvert which is very interesting but he had a message that he stuck to and no matter when you saw him whether it was a one-on-one a, a town hall meet whatever it was he, that was he communicated where the company was headed that year and what what the key goals were and he was a master at it he did a great job at it there wasn't a, you could go anywhere in that company and you knew what the key three goals were for that year he did a great job at it many many companies many ceos aspire to have that effect on their organization and it's very much easier said than done i know you have another question eric go for it i do i do so you know jesse you've built some pretty interesting digital solutions for change um Tell us more about that and how digital solutions are now factoring into change initiatives and change process. Okay, well, we're a consulting firm, but we discovered over the course of many years that clients don't always need or want or can afford consulting expertise, but yet they still need help in the transformation and change space. That led us to Mm -hmm. develop a couple of products that augment our consulting work, but are also um, easily available to organizations um, and can help them with their own internal resources deliver the change and transformation work. And so I'll mention two of these. Um, They're both web-based products and they play into our sweet spot, as I mentioned. The first is Change Accelerator at changeaccelerator.com, which is an online toolkit that helps clients manage change. Users can gain access to this change methodology, which is ours, activity checklists, 60 plus change tools, and a dashboard to track projects. And again, this is really for the organization that has the resources internally, but just needs some help. The other product is Rocket Manager, and this is brand new for us. We just launched it. It's available at therocketmanager.com, and it's a web-based program to help leaders excel in their management roles. And it distills our nearly 20 years of management consulting experience working with all sorts of leaders at Fortune 500 and mid-sized companies. And it's really about helping leaders propel their careers if they're in a management role. And we find the online self-service tools are a really nice complement to our consulting work. And our clients really appreciate having access to our knowledge and expertise through those tools. Excellent. When you said that you, you actually can use those tools to augment your work. Um, t- t- talk a little bit about how you ba- you balance the the on the online tools and your in person expertise. What, how, how do you how do you balance the use between the, the two of those platforms? Sometimes I'll give you two examples. Sometimes while we're doing change management work at a client, we realize that they ha- they haven't yet designed or uh, built an internal change capability. So we can help them jumpstart that by taking our platform, our product, Change Accelerator, and we can give that to them. Um, we can we can mm. essentially take that platform and put it inside of their organization, tailor it. You know the look and feel, the branding and the tools, the methodology that can all be customized for them. So, you know they can oh, nice. pretty instantaneously have a a ready platform um, as a starting point for building that internal change capability. And then with the Rocket Manager, um, this is 
really a product of having seen through many business transformations, what I'll call managers in motions. Inevitably, when you're shaking up the organization, you're changing, you know, roles, you know, lines and boxes, you're flattening the organization, you're moving people around. Essentially what you're doing in a lot of cases is creating new managers, new leaders, first-time mm-hmm. managers, or you're expanding the scope of existing managers, or you're even hiring managers from outside into the company. All of those leaders with management responsibility need a way to ensure that they're going to be successful in their role. And that's really why we developed the Rocket Manager program. Great way to develop people. Go ahead, Eric. Oh, no, I was I was just going to say that that's that's awesome. And it sounds like um, when you implement that solution, the digital tools, they look and feel like the company. So when when we launch a change initiative, we have a, a branded portal, if you will, that that looks and feels like our, our organization so that when we are providing those support mechanisms, it, it's it's there and, and feels like we feel. Yeah, exactly. In the same way that I talked about the importance of having that change competency developed internally, and we can help with that, I really believe that having that, you know, uh, change capability of the platform, where they go for that knowledge and expertise, look and feel and resonate with their culture to be really important piece of the puzzle. Well, Jesse, fascinating conversation. And I love the way you've integrated technology into uh, what it is you're doing. And because it is such a change is such an emotional and people based process. So we're going to take a quick break. We're talking to Jesse Jacoby. When we come back, we're going to be talking a little bit about some of the pitfalls that you need to think about and pay attention to as you're moving into these initiatives. And believe me, you are probably thick in the middle of some change initiative and if you're not you will be uh probably next week so stay with us we all know that leaders who build talent care about their people and create healthy organizations are the people that others want to work for and with raise your own bar and future-proof your organization with the future-proof workplace whether you're a ceo manager or just trying to survive the chaos the future-proof workplace is your wake-up call because let's face it the future is now Linda Sharkey and Morag Barrett are sought-out keynote speakers, leadership development and organization experts, and they can help you start future-proofing your organization. To learn more about everything they have to offer you and your organization, visit futureproofworkplace.com. Love having you on, Eric. It's so much fun. I mean, I love being on uh, with, with Morag, but it's nice having a male counterpart. Are you enjoying yourself? Eric? You may have scared him away, Linda. I'm, <laughs> I may have scared him. Eric's probably sitting there saying, I'm never doing this again. Are you kidding me? <laughs> he's, probably, he's probably sitting back there screaming, going, are you kidding me? The next time Matt Morag asked me to stand in for her. Well, anyway, that's a great segue into some pitfalls. <laughs> so, Jesse, what, what do you see as, you know, you've had so much experience in this. What are some of the really big red flags and pitfalls that people really need to watch out for? One we already touched on, and it's weak executive sponsorship. Yeah. The other I think I touched on as well is not embedding or inviting change management expertise to the table early in the uh, project life cycle. Another 
common mistake is is selling the future state vision using only a solid business case and a compelling rationale. The thinking behind this approach, and it's usually well-intentioned, but the thinking is that it goes something like this. Once people analyze the facts, they will realize this change is a good idea and they'll act in the initiative's best interest. The problem... Yeah, the problem, though, is that in failed change initiatives, it's rarely that the case for change was poorly thought out or not supported with sufficient facts and analysis. More often, the problem is that the case is all head and no heart, no emotion. Absolutely. So, yeah, really good leaders will aim to demonstrate change in highly visible ways that inspire people on an emotional level. This is the see, feel, act strategy that appeals to the heart. And these leaders will connect at the deepest values of their people and inspire them to greatness and to change. This will make the business case come alive with human experience, which is really what it's all about. And by engaging you know, the senses, by uh, creating messages that are simple yet imaginative and calling people to aspire, it'll really energize the change effort. Yeah. How do you get leaders? You know, I, I, a lot of times I work with engineers and, you know, I love it. I love, love all leaders. But, <laughs> you know, when, when you get some people are more head than they are heart. And how do you get them to realize that it's so important to get that emotional hook from people in order to get their discretionary effort? I wish I had a a magic answer for that question. You know, emotional (laughs) intelligence is closely tied to the ability to lead change effectively. And as you know, emotional intelligence, you know, is, I guess it's debatable whether it's uh, inherited versus learned, but um, some leaders have it and some leaders, you know, don't to a great extent. So, and they run the gamut, right? So the ability to lead change is closely tied to that um, particular um, element. And, you know, aside from that, I think, you know, the way you try to get leaders to lead change appropriately is to appeal a bit to their um, their legacy in the organization. You know, they want a successful program project. They want to implement successful strategies. And to the extent that, you know, leading change effectively um, is going to help them be successful, you know, oftentimes that's the motivator. So, Jesse, you know, it's it's funny, right? The the concept of change and change management and change leadership been around for for decades, and you know, a lot of times it's it's like like uh, organizational development work when we go into organizations. Uh, you know, people kind of roll their eyes at us, like we don't need that. We've we've already done that. How do you how do you sell change in this? perpetually evolving future-oriented workspace. On one hand, it's becoming uh, a bit easier because more people get it, more okay. leaders okay. get it than than ever before. Um, you know, 10, 20 years ago, it was a bit of a, you know, an obtuse topic and people might wonder what the heck you're talking about. Over the past, you know, 10, 15 years, it's become more and more mainstream. It's, you know, talked about more, people read about it. It's, you know, in the the business planning process way more than it was in the past. Um, However, it doesn't necessarily mean it's being planned for and executed well. Um, And so, 
you know, it's really, it really comes down to, you know, the extent to which the organization understands it and appreciates it um, and values it. Um, and that can actually vary by division within a single company if the company's large. And so we really approach, you know, how we work with leaders and how we strategize and plan and execute change work mm-hmm. based on where they are. We meet them where they are and their understanding. And, you know, if we need to do some education and, you know, uh, joint planning, we'll do that. If they're ready to roll and they just need a plan developed and help executing it, we can do that too. So it's, it's really all about the art of, of helping people, approaching them with the heart of a teacher and mm-hmm. um, meeting them where they are. Wow, interesting. You know, as we're, as we're winding down the show, Jesse, um, what, are, what are the um, three things that you would really like to have listeners uh, walk away with from this conversation? Oh, wow. Aside from how fabulous our new book is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the future, future-proof workplace. Yeah. Um, it's a great book. I've recommended it to some of my clients and they um, had very, very nice things to say about it. And um, it's full of valuable ideas. If your uh, listeners haven't yet checked it out, they they absolutely should. Um, so your question is is a really good one. What are the three things that I'd, I'd want to leave you with? Um, change management done right requires strong change capability um, integrated with the strategic initiatives of the organization. That would be thing one. Um, Thing two, organizations that invest in an internal change management capability. I really do believe they set themselves apart from their peers. They're able to adapt to the constantly changing business environment more easily. They can adopt solutions more quickly and realize project ROI sooner. And ultimately it gives those organizations a competitive advantage in our view. And the third thing, is that there's no one right methodology to plan and execute strategic change management. There are some core principles that need to be followed for success, and it's all about executing in the context of the unique culture that exists. But um, you know, there's no one methodology that's the magic bullet. Excellent. Well, hey, Jesse, thank you for spending some time with us today and talking us through change and, and, and what it's like to to be out there helping to manage such large-scale change projects. Um, How would our listeners get in touch with you if they want to engage you on a change initiative? My personal contact information is available on our website, which is emergentconsultants.com. And also on the site, you'll find uh, white papers on this topic, links to our products, to our social media accounts, and to my blog, emergentjournal.com. Awesome. And just one more time so we don't have to back up. Um, could you r- read the web addresses for your two digital solutions as well? Sure. Change Accelerator is at changeaccelerator.com. And the it's Rocket pretty, Manager. Pretty effective website. Pretty effective uh, naming. That's right. And the Rocket Manager uh, program is therocketmanager.com. Sounds like Rocket Man, the Rocket Man. <laughs> That's right. Q Elton John. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks again, Jesse, for joining us. Eric, it's been so much fun doing the show with you. I'm looking forward to doing others. Absolutely. If you'll have me back. 
Of course, of course. You know, you're you're, you're a special guy to both Mor- Morag and I. So, uh, you know, we're we're gonna have uh, some other shows coming up. We've got some really interesting people. All of them. Uh, support the content of our book, Future Proof Workplace, and deal with the six factors. And that's really why we're doing this show, is to help people understand the six factors that are going to uh, make sure that their business is successful today. And by the way, those six factors also uh, are six factors that you personally, as a leader, need to to address. Uh, Obviously, leadership, culture, relationships, diversity, technology, and oh my goodness, I forget this, I forget the sixth one, how bad is that? Um, Human resources. And when we look at all of those things and the various different aspects of all of those things, we realize that together they are going to make stronger organizations today for tomorrow. So that's really what Morag and I are all about. So thank you so much for listening to us. Uh, We'll be back next week with uh, Courtney uh, Lynch, who is another uh, outstanding leader in the area of leadership development. Morag and I will be uh, talking with Courtney, and we have a lot of other great people coming on uh, down the road. This has been the Future Proof Workplace with Linda Sharkey and Morag Barrett. To learn about the hosts or to get more resources on future-proofing your organization, visit futureproofworkplace.com. Thanks for listening.